Welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast, a podcast focused on optimizing health and performance through a low carb lifestyle. Every episode will bring you a step closer to living an amazing low carb life. Come join us for this exciting journey. And here is your low carb leader and host, Dan Perryman. Hello and welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. I am your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined us for episode 18. In today's episode, we have a very interesting guest, Alan Meisner. Alan is the host of 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, and this is a top 100 podcast on iTunes in the fitness and nutrition category. He is a NASM personal trainer. He has specialties in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we're very happy to have you. I pulled up your Facebook page, by the way, and the picture at the top, were you in China? Uh, we were, yeah. That, that wasn't the Great Wall, but we were in China. Uh, I forget the city, uh, but they had this castle, uh, it was kind of a castle. I guess it was a walled-in uh, village, um, to be more correct. And you literally could ride the bike all the way around. But they said, you know, you, you've got to be reasonably fit to make it because we're, we're only going to be here uh, for, you know, an hour. So if you're, if you're not fit, you don't want to try to ride all the way around because uh, you won't make it in time. Um, and we have to go, so we don't want to be late. So uh, my wife and I got on there, and we we that, right, where we saw that picture was when we had just gotten back after we did the ride. So, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, uh, I took my family to China, and we we enjoyed the trip. I I like to get my kids out of the country every once in a while, just so they can kind of see what we've got here and, and compare and contrast. Yeah, that's amazing picture, and you have over twelve thousand followers on your Facebook page, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, I think when you when you have a message uh, that resonates with people, uh, they like that. You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna try to find the places where the information is. Uh, I try to share my I share my podcast there. I share some inspirational quotes, and so it is a kind of a place for me to, uh, you know, just give positive vibes to people uh, about their health and fitness. Yeah, that's great. And so I, I was looking through your website and read your story, and I would like you to share that uh, you. You came from 255 pounds and you were almost at 40% body fat and you did a complete turnaround and then you went into fitness, became a personal trainer and you kind of want to walk us through that story? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I would say, you know, back when I was young, when I was in my 20s and whatnot, I was, I was super fit. I was, I was running the ultra marathons. I was playing semi-pro volleyball. I, you know, I was, I was just, I would call myself an athlete. And um, as I got into my career and you know, marriages and divorces and stress and, and everything else, like that kind of went away. And I kind of lost that part of myself. And I, I just had, was focusing on my career too much. You know, you get the balance of the three, your family, uh, your fitness and health, and then your uh, career. And I had really just poured myself into the career aspect. So I remember sitting on the beach. I was about 37 years old. It was in February around my birthday. And I'm sitting on the beach and I'm in Puerto Varta. It's, it's beautiful out. And I'm, I'm meditating out on the beach that morning, uh, you know, as a stress relief exercise. But I, I really kind of got hit by the fact that as, as successful as I was in my career and everything that was going on well for me, I was not happy and I was not healthy. And so, I, you know, you, you kind of make one of those decisions. Well, when I get back home, I'm going to fix all this and, and I'm going to I'm going to get healthy. Um, but I didn't. And it's like almost every year I would kind of have one of those 
moments where I would say, you know, I, I really have to do something. I really have to do something. But but I, I wouldn't. And, and I really was struggling to figure out why. I mean, I knew what to do. Uh, having been an athlete, I, I kind of had that, you know, that DNA. I just knew what I needed to do. But I just wouldn't take that next step. I wouldn't stick with it. And so um, I met my, uh, my current wife. And I think it was right around that time that I had the epiphany that the decision is not is not good enough. Motivation is not good enough. I mean, there are people that can make a decision and and just do it. They they have, they'll have the motivation and they'll just do it. But I would say most people fail um, not because they lack motivation or they lack willpower. It's because they're not really committed to the idea of being healthier. They're not really committed to the idea of of you know what it, what it means, what, what they're going to feel like, and what their life is going to be like. And and meeting Tammy. And kind of realizing that as I was going through the commitment with her, what that felt like and how that was changing my life and how uh, I was I had fixed the relationship part of this whole thing. So the only thing left for me to fix was this health thing. And the reason that I hadn't fixed it is I hadn't found my why. I really didn't have a focus on what was the most important thing for me. Uh, and it started to be about my wife, my family, my children. And that's when it kind of all clicked together. And I said, you know, this is this is what I have to do. And I, I went ahead and I started working on my certification uh, for personal uh, training. But it wasn't so that I could train other people. It really was to fix myself. I knew that I had movement issues, so I got a specialization in corrective exercise. I knew that I needed to improve my nutrition uh, because that's where the real weight loss was going to come from. So I, I started studying that and got my specialization in fitness nutrition. So all of that was just really an exercise to be the personal trainer that I needed for myself, but just in my, inside of me. Um, I didn't really expect to train people, but over the course of that year, basically about 11 months, um, I was able to to drop that weight. And I dropped well over 50 pounds and um, got my body fat from 40% down to 20%, or actually 19%, and uh, ran a Tough Mudder with my daughter, uh, you know, and it was kind of at that point where people were seeing me saying, Alan, what did you do? You know, I saw you 11 months ago uh, and you you looked entirely different. What, what are you doing? And that's when I started explaining to them the changes that I'd made. But I also understood that I could tell them how to do it. But unless they had the same commitment, had determined their why, had gone through the same exercise I had, they might not actually see the results that I saw. So I started actually working with friends um, to get them healthy. Um, and through that exercise, developed my my program that I call Forever Fitness, uh, and and that's basically how I work with clients now online is to walk them through the same steps that I took to find my health and fitness. Yeah, that's a great story. So, did you leave your previous career for this career? Uh, no, I, I still I still have that. Uh, you know, the the interesting thing about uh, personal training is it's not a um, it's not a high paying job, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and podcasting is uh, even a little worse. It's <laughs> even, even a lower paying job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually paid a podcast, but, um, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's definitely not going to pay the bills. I'm paying somebody else's uh, is the way I look at it. But, you know, the, the point of that is in, in recognizing that by fixing myself and it, it's, it's always been a big component, I think, of, of being a better person is that you have to start giving of yourself if you want anything. And, I, it, it, you know, Gary Vanderchuk has his way of saying it, you know, jab, 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 left hook. But I think the better way to say it is Zig Ziglar uh, when he basically said, you know, if you help enough people reach their goals, you're going to reach yours. So I'm not worried about it. I've, I've got you know, a full time gig. Uh, it is high stress. I'll, I'll admit that. That's my big um, boogeyman for the most part is, is dealing with stress. But beyond that, it, it pays my bills and allows me to do some things that I love, which is uh, helping people get better. 
Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, a lot of people ask me all the time. They're like, are, are you making money on the podcast yet? <laughs> Which is, just makes me laugh as I walk away. But yeah, it's a, it's one of the most expensive hobbies I've ever started. So, But I really like it. That's a great story. So today's topic, we're going to talk about the differences between the 40 plus crowd, which I am 49 and uh, you are over 40, I believe. And yes, I turn 51 next week. Oh, that's awesome. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I don't turn 50 till December, so I got a, a, a few days left. But And the differences between the, the 40 plus crowd and the younger than 40 crowd, because as I age, I can definitely tell the difference in my metabolism, muscle growth, all that. Kick us off with you work primarily with 40 plus correct? Yes. Uh, there's a couple of differences. Uh, you know, one, uh, quite frankly, we, we don't recover nearly as fast as uh, we did when we were younger. And I'll give you a perfect example of that. I am, um, you know, you, you're sitting there watching the infomercials and I, and I know you've probably heard of this, the insanity workouts with Sean T and, you know, th they look great and, and there's no equipment involved. I'm like, this is perfect. I can, you know, put this on my iPad. I can, wherever I'm going, even if I'm traveling for work, I, I can do this in a hotel or, or do this in the the, you know, the fitness center of the hotel. No problem. Uh, well, I got it and I thought, okay, well, day one, they want you to do this little fitness test. So this is just the fitness test. This is not a workout, just a test. Uh, I did the fitness test and I wasn't entirely happy with my results as, as you would expect when you take your benchmark first test. But the next morning I, I couldn't get out of bed. I actually had to call in sick from work uh, because I, I could not move my arms and I just ached all over. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what did I do to myself, uh, you know, with that workout? It was, that was just insane. Um, and I guess that's why they call it insanity. Um, anyway, you know, just recognizing as someone who's older, I'm not going to recover from workouts as fast. So I really have to pay attention to my pace. I have to pay attention to how I do the workouts, um, and I really have to be methodical about that so that as you go through your, your exercise program, you're getting the benefits without destroying yourself. Um, and I, I interviewed um, Marie Esmondi uh, White not long ago, and she's got the book Forever Painless. And the way she kind of puts it is, you know, we kind of had this mantra come up of no pain, no gain uh, in, you know, in the 70s. And she said that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, you don't have to push yourself to that extreme pain point. Uh, to see the benefits of your exercise. You can find that happy medium, that spot, that sweet spot where you're not damaging yourself, but you're still seeing improvements in your health, fitness, strength, mass, whatever you're after. Uh, you don't have to kill yourself to do it. So I think that's step number one is, is finding the right groove for your work. And then uh, the, the other piece of it is because we've had office jobs, most of us uh, have been sitting at our jobs for decades. Uh, we have movement issues. And if we try to do things that everybody else is doing without first addressing those movement issues, uh, we're going to we're going to wreck ourselves as well. So, you know, when I'm working with a client, I make sure that they can do a good form squat with just body weight before I would ever want to put any weight on their shoulders. They may want to get stronger, but until their movement pattern is flawless, we don't need to be putting weight on their shoulders. Yeah, that's so, that's so true on both issues. Recovery. I really like deadlifts. And so, uh, but I have found that recovery from deadlifts is not only just a couple days, it, it can be like seven to 10 days at this stage in my life because the central nervous system and just the impact that it does to your body. And then movement issues. When I was younger, I was in karate. So I used to be able to do the splits and stretch out. And it's very difficult now, you know, touching your toes. And I know I should spend the time stretching. I totally agree with what you're saying here because I have felt the changes throughout my life. 
Yeah. And so that's really what it is, is, is it's the understanding your body from a recovery perspective and then understanding if you have mobility issues um, and ensuring that you're using appropriate form. Um, much of that was easy. I mean, hard for us to manage back when we were in our 20s, but we could get away with it. Um, so ego wasn't the problem back then. Now, uh, ego is not necessarily our friend. We, we need to manage our egos even more uh, than we did when, when we were in our 20s. So you know, you want that 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 next um, heaviest uh, deadlift for, per se, like I did, and I'm pushing myself, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get this thing. I'm gonna get for you know 410, and I did. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the problem is I, I I hurt my lower back doing it, and so then there's now a longer recovery time that I have to deal with, and I'm not in the gym. I wasn't in the gym nearly as much as I wanted to be during that six month period of time. So, you know, I think that's the big part is not taking a step back by not paying attention to form, mobility, and recoverable. So you work with 40, 50, 60-year-olds, maybe even older people. I mean, obviously, as you get older, these issues become worse. Talk a little bit about that. Do you see a pattern as they get older, or is it how they took care of themselves when they were younger? I, I've seen 80-year-olds that could kick my butt. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I've seen 40-year-olds that um, I, I'm surprised they're still alive. Um, you know, so I think uh, e each of us is going to have our own unique thing. We're, we're going to be where we are. And uh, you don't necessarily want to compare yourself with, with anybody else. You just really want to compare yourself with you. How do you feel and look today? And don't you want to look and feel better tomorrow? And if you're on a path that's causing that to happen, then you're on the right path. So you have to be real with who you are today. I, you know, I had a desk job for 25 years. So when I really started getting into things, realizing that my, my mobility across my ankles uh, and my calves, because my calves are really, really tight, um, I can't do a, a good clean squat until I really work out my calves and really do some stretching uh, of my calves to get full dorsiflexion in my feet. Once I've done that little bit of work, and it takes me five to 10 minutes before my workout, I can, I can then do a full squat with little or no trouble, which makes it that much better for me to get benefits from that squat because I'm not in a poor movement pattern. And um, so, yes, as, as you work with patients, just recognizing that the bodies are a little different as they go, and it, and it does depend on how They've managed their health their whole lives uh, because we can slow aging to where, like I said, an 80-year-old can, can be as fit and healthy as a 50-year-old. But, you know, the other aspect of this is I think as, as we get a little older, the why of, of our fitness changes a little bit. So I'll give you an example. Uh, when you're in your 40s, uh, many of us in our 40s and 50s, we're, we're starting to get little grandchildren. You know, these little animals running around that we can, you know, buy sweets for and, and treat wonderfully and then send them home to your parents. Um, and, and we want to do things with them. Well, you know, that involves now not just being a little bit stronger or just being a little bit more cardiovascular fit. Uh, you may want to get on the ground with them. So having the mobility and the movement patterns to easily get up and down from the floor uh, might be something that you would add to your exercise program to make sure that you're, you're very good with that. You, you know, they might be learning how to start riding a bicycle and you might want to ride a bicycle with them. Uh, as they get older and they get more fit, you may want to do things like that, like I run Tough Mudders and, and I'm going to be just doing a Spartan Super with my daughter uh, later this year. Um, you know, those are the things that, that, you know, your why of your exercise may change a little bit as you age, as the people around you age. Um, and then, yeah, when you're when you're 80, it might just be I don't want to fall and break my hips. So I'm going to start working on balance and, and, and agility and strength uh, to avoid hurting myself if I were to fall. 
And so I might work more lateral movements just to make sure that I have good basic balance and I don't fall. When, so that, that's kind of the differences as, as people get older, what they're, what they want to accomplish and, and what they need to be working on may change. Alan, when, when people come to you, do they know this or is this something that you educate them on? We, we go through an exploration stage. We, we talk about where they are in their lives. Um, we talk about self-love. We talk about their, their commitment, uh, which involves a vision of what health and fitness looks like, which, you know, could include grandchildren, could, could be that they want to get back on the bike and do something or, you know, I, I had one guy that he wasn't a client, but we were talking and his deal was that his son lived in the mountains of Colorado and he wanted to be able to go hiking with him. So he was you know, working on getting himself cardiovascular fit enough to be able to do those hikes. Um, so, you know, determining your wine, your vision and putting that all together and saying, OK, that's 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 the reason to go to the gym every day. That's the reason to eat well because of those things. Um, that's that's an exploration that, that I typically do with my clients at the very beginning because they can't measure success if success doesn't matter to them. I could say, you know, you, you can bench press 10 more pounds this month than you did last month. Look at that. And they'll be like, well, I'm not trying to be in a bench press contest. So does that really help me? And we could say, well, if, you know, if, if being able to, um, you know, push their grandchild on a swing a little bit higher, um, is what they want to do. Well, a bench press might be <laughs> something that they want to improve, but you know, so it's, it's really just kind of that, that measuring yourself on yourself, who you were yesterday, and then make sh- making sure that you're, you're going in the right direction with this so that when you get something for the work that you've done, it, it truly is something that benefits your life. And it's not just something ego-based, like, like when I was doing the, the, the heavy deadlift, I, I didn't get any benefit out of being able to do the deadlift anymore other than satisfying an ego to say, you know, I wanted to hit that benchmark. And you, uh, and so, you look cool in the gym. Ah, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. When clients come to you, are they typically educated in nutrition and fitness? Or I'm sure it's all the way across the board, but do you see patterns where people just have no idea or they're really educated? You know, when I first started, um, because I was I was doing some personal training when I was in my 20s, because again, I, I was fit. People would walk in the gym. Oh, he, he knows what he's doing. I'm going to ask him if he help me. And so I did a little bit of personal training back in the 90s. Uh, I mean, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, the funny thing was the only thing you could do was you could you could go to the library and there were some books or you could order one of the magazines, a subscri- subscribe to one of the magazines like uh, Muslim Fitness or stuff like that. And that's that's all we really had to go on. Um, today, there's this thing called the Internet. Um, some older folks might not remember know what that is, but it, it's this information uh, dump uh, of all this stuff. And so I, I think so many people have a general idea because there's so much information, but they don't know how to take that and apply that practically to themselves. So, you know, they say, well, I know that I need to be a vegetarian and I need to cut out sugars and I need to not do milk and not do this and not. And when they get done with this, like, okay, I can eat lettuce and kale <laughs> and that's it. Right. Uh, you know, I can drink water, but not the water from the fountain and not the water in the plastic and, and so I don't know where I'm going to get my water from, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to find water, uh, I guess a Creek near my house or something. Uh, cause that's, you know, spring water. I've heard that's good, but you kind of see is there's so much information out there that it's like, well, how do I, how do I parse this and, and put this in a way that I can apply it to myself? And I think that's where the real challenge is today is to say there's so much stuff out there. Um, and so I have a concept that I call being your own little lab rat. And we talk about, okay, let's, let's talk about what's worked for us in the past. Let's talk about what's failed for us in the past. 
because many of us have tried, you know, so they say, well, I, you know, I went on Weight Watchers for a while and I lost 10 pounds and then I gained it back. Or, you know, I went on this, uh, you know, started eating salads for lunch and just drinking water. Uh, and, and I lost, you know, this amount of weight and I felt pretty good. And you know, say, okay, well, obviously your body likes vegetables. And so let's, you know, let's cut down on the sugars and let's see, you know, keep your proteins moderate and let's see how you feel from an energy perspective. And then we can tweak it from there. And so, you know, we'll go back and forth and I'll have some clients like I did. I started out uh, pretty much paleo uh, and lost about 25 pounds and then stalled. And I said, okay, well, I'm stalling at paleo. So what do I need to do next? And then I'm like, well, let me try this ketosis thing because it makes sense uh, that if your body's able to burn fat and you got extra fat, well, that might be something that works for you. And in fact, it did. I dropped the other 25 very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of information out there, which is good, but you have to figure out how to apply it and, and how to make it a, a lifestyle choice, not just a, I lose the weight and then I go, I'm going to gain it back because I'm going to go back to eating the way I ate before. If you can make this a lifestyle change, uh, you'll have permanent health effect. You'll, you'll, you'll get where you want to go and you'll be able to stay there, uh, but you have to you have to find what works for you. Yeah, I really like that concept about the N, N equals one. I just mentioned that at the last podcast, but also about the goals. I, I think that's really important for people to realize that your goals change. When you're 20 years old, you just want to lift a bunch of weights and show off in the gym. And I get that. And But as you age, I really like the idea that your goal might be around your ch grandchildren. It might be around hiking. And I think that's a really important concept that everybody remembers. Well, and we still want to look good naked. I mean, let's yeah, let's yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you know, Mark, Mark Sisson says that all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's not the it's it's not the end all be all of, of what we're doing. This is not an ego driven thing anymore. Now there's there's some passion behind it that go far beyond the ego, and and it's it's about how you want to live the rest of your life. And do you want to be uh, the invalid, uh, the person that can't go on, you know, to the amusement park because you can't walk that far, or the one that they have to push around in the wheelchair because you know, you've had your feet cut off because you have diabetes. Um, you know, you have to think about what you want your life to be like when you're older. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a reason now we're seeing people in their 80s and 90s still doing amazing physical feats and 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 being healthy and living well into their hundreds. Is is that you know, we have access to all this wonderful stuff, wonderful information, you know, wonderful uh, doctors and medicine that are keeping us alive longer. The question is, do you just want to live longer or do you want to live healthier? And I, I think for most people, the answer is healthier. Uh, so it really is about finding your why, lining it up. And then now all of your goals, everything lines up with what you wanted to accomplish. So if if I have a client that, that wants to, um, you know, be around their grandchildren, I say, OK, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to overdo it this weekend. But when you get a chance, when your granddaughters are on the ground, get on, on the ground with her. And I said, she'll lose interest in about five minutes because that's what they do. And then she's going to want to get up and you get up. And I said, do that a couple times this weekend. You don't have to do it many times, but do it a couple times this weekend. Three weeks into this and you've got a grandmother that has no problem getting down on the floor as often as the little kid wants to get on the floor and play. And now there's this connection, this relationship that they didn't have before because grandma's being cool and getting on the floor and playing with her rather than sitting in the chair just watching her. Yeah, that is cool. Now, we grew up in the same era, and I always say, when, when I was in grade school, everybody was skinny, and you, you might have had that one fat kid, as we always said, but now obesity, 
you know, I work in a hospital. Obesity is just epidemic. How have you had to change your personal training because of the obesity issue? Well, obviously, I think it's changed goals, you know, and, uh, you know, when you're the skinny kid first walking into a gym, all you want to do is get bigger. Uh, you know, one of the funny things was I was uh, I was an offensive lineman in high school, but I was very, very light. So I also ran tr- the two mile in track and I was also on the tennis team. So if you can imagine an, uh, just an athlete that could, you know, was seated and, and I actually you know, played varsity bas- uh, tennis. I also played varsity baseball some. I played varsity uh, track uh, and did the shot put. And, and, and was was the offensive guard. Uh, you know, my best sport was football, but I was too small to go Division One. And even the Division One coaches are like, "Well, okay, if he gets over 200 pounds, give us a call." Um, I was 32 years old when I got over 200 pounds, and it was because my activity level was so high that I never gave myself that chance to put that weight on. Now, because you know, people get sedentary and they're acti- like I did, the activity level goes way way down, um, and the weight goes up. So I think the goals change a little bit because when someone now is overweight going into the gym, their thought process is I need to burn calories or I need to work out to lose weight. And that's only part of it. And in fact, a very small part. Weight loss is actually uh, going to be done through what you eat and how much of it you eat. So finding the foods that don't inflame your body, finding the foods that, that give you the nutrition that you need and then only eating enough of them to fulfill your needs is really going to be where you're going to be at if you're trying to lose weight. You can't exercise your way out of a bad diet, but so many people think that they can. They think that they're going to walk in to the gym, they're going to get on that elliptical machine, they're going to go for two hours every day, they're going to burn 2,000 calories, and they're going to lose 10 pounds a week, and they're going to look great. And that's just not how the math works. Your body will break down before you get to your goal. No. So I think the thing is, you know, goal, just as the goals change, I think the way someone walking into the gym changes. And unfortunately, you know, you, you can't, you know, as, as a, as a a young person, uh, your body's primed for you to put on more muscle. Your body's primed for you to maintain uh, a a lean physique. uh, If you're active, Uh, as we get older now, okay, we've got movement problems, but we want to just, you know, burn calories to lose the weight. And unfortunately, it's you don't have enough energy. You don't have energy you had when you were 20 to do the things that you would do to, to maintain that. But it is important, but it should be considered holistically across the board with all the other things that you want to accomplish, not just weight loss. Yeah. I, I don't think people realize that, you know, 60 to 70% of the calories burned during the day are from your basal metabolic rate. It's not from exercise. And so this is leading into a question. I see so many people, like you said, that go into the gym, they'll get on the treadmill, they'll go 45 minutes, and then the concept is, good, I can go eat a healthy muffin and a juice, and now everything's going to be better. And I see people, I've been going to the same gym for three years now, and I see the same people working with personal trainers, and they actually look like they're in worse shape than when they started. How do you navigate your clients through that? And do personal trainers get a bad rap? I'll answer your first question first. I mean, last question first, because I think that's the, the, I think they, I think some personal trainers deserve the bad rap. Uh, If you're not, if you're not helping your client reach their goals and, and, and by reach their goals, I mean, twofold. One is they hit that health or fitness goal they were after. um, And then two, uh, they, they become the, the, the master. So, you know, you, you now have a student and you'll know this from your karate is many folks that did karate uh, as youths, as if they stuck with it, 
they're eventually becoming the black belt and now they're becoming the teacher opening up their own shop. That's what personal trainers should actually look at their themselves as being is, is teaching them the principles to, to be healthy and fit and, and for them to know it so well that it's, it's time for them to move on and, and that they actually now know everything that that personal trainer can teach them and it's time for them to find the next trainer if they, if they need so or they become the teacher. Uh, so I think that's that's one of the things is, is it, it can be deserved as a rap if you're not truly empowering your clients to move to the next level. And then with with, with people going, you know, into a gym and whatnot and with me, with my clients, what, what I'll basically tell them, if, if, if weight loss is one of the goals that they want, then I tell them, OK, well, we're going to do two things here. One, I'm going to hold you accountable. So you're going to log everything you eat so you know what you're eating. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a picture of everything you eat and send it to me. And you'd be amazed at how that one little thing, the logging now, they know how much, but the, but the taking the picture and having to send it to me changes everything because they'll sit down before they're ready to eat it and they're sitting there with their, their camera phone about to take a picture of it and then, you know, they have a moment to think. It's no longer, uh, it's no longer impulse eating. It's no longer stress eating. It's, it's a function of, oh, I, I was about to put this bag of potato chips in my mouth. I think I'll just have one serving. What's one serving? Oh, 14 chips. And then they count out 14 chips and put it in a bowl, put the bag away, and now they're going to have one serving of potato chips. Well, they just saved themselves probably eight servings that they would have eaten if they took that bag to the to the couch to watch their nightly TV programs. That is a great idea. Actually, I'm going to probably share that with others because that's, yeah, I mean, that's just a great find concept. A, find, a, find a buddy, someone else that, that's saying they want to you know lose the weight that you know they're just as serious as you are. And say, okay, here's the deal. We take pictures of everything that we're going to eat before we eat it, and we send it to you. So when I see you have a bottle of water there with your salad and a little bit of tuna, you know, thumbs up. Awesome. You know, but if you sit there one night and say, okay, we went ahead and uh, ordered pizza, and I had two slices of pizza and a soft drink. Well, okay, you took the picture of it. You owned it. Um, you know, but you know what you're putting in your body and you know why you're putting it in your body, um, and you're owning it. So, uh, you don't have to do this with your trainer, but I just say you, you can find a friend that's, that's on the same path as you. Um, and you can find them on, yeah, on those, on those services like, uh, my fitness pal and whatnot that, you know, where you can log and people are supposed to be able to look at your logs. Well, I'd say, you know, build, make it even tighter and, and do the picture game for a little while and see if that doesn't change some of your food choices. Yeah. And I'm kind of laughing because the concept of a serving People have no idea what a serving is because I remember, especially eating peanut butter, you know, you would have one serving with a spoon, which would be a heaping tablespoon. But when you actually measure it out, you're like, really, this is a tablespoon of peanut butter. And I was probably eating seven or eight when I was thinking it was one. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's common. That That's very, very common because we don't typically really go through the time to measure our food. Uh, but one of the cool things about when you do it, for a little while, just a little while, you'll start to recognize, particularly with your favorite foods, what a, an actual serving looks like. So I'll give you a perfect example. You, you go to uh, Logan's to get a steak and their steak is 24 ounces and you're, or, or 16 ounces. Okay. Let's just say 16 ounces. Well, okay. That is actually over four servings of steak, that one 16 ounce steak. And your, your serving of broccoli that you got is now actually half a serving of broccoli. You should actually be eating twice that. So understanding now, you know, that a serving of meat is basically about the size of the palm of your hand, not including your fingers. 
you start to recognize that now you're taking pictures of it. You're, you're getting this mental energy of, of what that looks like, what your plate looks like. Um, and it's just kind of giving you those lifestyle tools. Again, we talk about it in a lifestyle. It's not a one-time thing. Now you're starting to build those skills. You're starting to recognize when to stop and how to stop and, and, and what you should be eating and you know being mindful about it. Alan, how do you encourage your clients to change their nutrition? Because changing nutrition is is very difficult for most people I know. Are there certain tips besides taking the pictures that you give them? Uh, well, what I like, I'm, I'm a big proponent of every little change matters. So if we're going to uh, we're going to fix our metabolism, we're going to lose the weight, uh, you know, and we want our A1C to go down or whatnot. I'm gonna say, okay, first step, day one, we're gonna cut our sugar below 50 grams, and they're like, oh my god, that you know that seems it doesn't seem hard, but when they actually realize they're eating 150 grams a day, now suddenly they're like, well, what do I eat? Because all this food, you know, that I was eating has all this sugar in it. And I say, well, just get down below 50. And then when I'm, and then I'm going to drop a bombshell on you. The World Health Organization actually says we should be, be below 25 grams per day. So let's take a baby step and get to 50. And once they get comfortable with 50 and they, within the first month, lose 8 to 10 pounds, which is, it was real loss. You're going to see a loss if you do this. If you if you eat a lot of sugar now and you just do this one thing, I'm going to eat less than 50 grams of sugar per day for a month. At the end of that month, you're going to weigh at least eight pounds less. And then so we start the first week and we're like, okay, let's do this. Let's just do this sugar thing. Okay, now you're starting to build in and, and that's your sugar thing. Now let's let's look at the water. And here's why you want to drink more water. Uh, your body in, in, in your liver is responsible for managing toxins in your body. And the liver, I'm not going to say it's lazy because it has a very important job, but it doesn't like being overwhelmed. And today we are kind of overwhelmed with toxins. So when we're gaining weight, the liver has this really cool way of, of actually taking the load off of itself. And it does that by storing the toxins in our body fat and it's saying, well, if he's storing this fat, he, he doesn't, you know, I don't need these toxins here either. I'll just, I'll just book it up in this fat and let it sit there and it won't be bothering anybody. And that's true until we start to lose the fat. And now those toxins are starting to get back into our system. So drinking water is going to help flush that and keep our body moving those toxins out. So I encourage my trainees to drink more water to a point where their urine is, is basically clear all the time. And if you're doing that and maybe taking and making sure you're getting your, your good uh, electrolytes, salt, magnesium, zinc, potassium, uh, you know, magnesium and zinc. If you're getting good amounts of those in your foods, um, then you're going to be in great shape to even lose more weight. And so there's these little incremental things that we can do that start to train your body to be more efficient and help give your body what it needs to be more efficient. Unfortunately, we're, we only have a few minutes left, but what are your top tips that you would give somebody, maybe two or three tips that you would give them to start their journey or to stay motivated? Uh, I think the first thing is, is to know your why and your vision. What that will do is kind of give you a grounding. Anytime you wake up in the morning, and you don't want to go, uh, this is your grounding. You know, this is the, this is it. And, I, and I'll give you a perfect example. If you told your wife or spouse or whomever that you were going to pick them up at the airport at five o'clock in the morning, where are you at five o'clock in the morning? You're at the airport. If you love yourself enough and you tell yourself, I'm going to the gym tomorrow because of my why, you'll be at the gym tomorrow. And, and that's, that's the same kind of uh, commitment that you need to have. So understanding your why and your vision Putting that into a commitment, that's the first one. The second one is to, is to break the hold that sugar has on you. When we talk about obesity, we are talking about sugar, period. You're not overeating anything else 
but sugar. And so if you can get your sugar down low, like low carb, uh, you're going to put yourself in a perfect position to burn fat and get healthier. And then the final one is, is recognize the value of managing your stress and getting good sleep. Um, we didn't talk about that today. Uh, I can come back if you want to talk about it, but because I think it's a, a very big deal and I know it is for me, um, but managing stress and making sure that you're giving your body the rest that it needs, that's when all the, the good things happen is when you're sleeping. And so if you're, if you're constantly in a stress state, you, your body's not balanced and it's not doing the right things with its hormones. And if you're not getting the right sleep, you're definitely not on the right hormone cycle and you're not going to see the best results. So ma- making sure that you manage those two along the way are also important steps. Yeah, those three are great. So one final question. What do you eat during a typical day? It, it ebbs and flows. I'm very much a, um, I guess, uh, for the lack of a better word, uh, annualist. Uh, I, I, I like to think of food in terms of how my ancestors would have eaten and we would have had access to more carbs uh, and and put on maybe put on some body fat over over the sp- uh, summer and fall uh, and then what would have happened was then we hit this the winter months which we're going into now I wouldn't have access to that so now it's it's fish it's meat it's more fats if there's any vegetables that they tend to be leafy greens uh, that type of thing and so right now I'm doing that that cycle back in so I'll be in ketosis probably for the next three months. And then as the spring comes on, I'll start eating some fresh berries, uh, starting to take in more uh, fruit and, and, and other vegetables that would have a little bit more sugar in them uh, that would be growing around that time of year. So I'm very much about paying attention to how my body would have been adapted to live ancestrally uh, and try to eat that way. So right now, uh, I would wake up, probably have some eggs and some sausage, and that'll hold me over until late in the afternoon, uh, where I'll typically, if I'm... I'm I'll, I'll do that if I'm not intermittent fasting, but typically then that'll hold me on to late afternoon. What I'll do in the late afternoon is I'll probably have some fish. Um, I like to mix tuna now with this uh, avocado mayonnaise um, that I buy from, actually buy from Mark Sisson. Uh, it's the a Primal Blueprint, uh, a Primal Kitchen um, chipotle mayonnaise with, uh, with avocado oil. It's awesome. Um, so I'll make a, a little salad out of that and, and put that on top of maybe some uh, kale or spinach, some leafy greens, and then... I'll get into the evening and probably have maybe some beef or maybe even another uh, serving of fish with some, you know, low carb vegetables. And that'll be my day. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but how can people learn more about you and connect with you if they want to? Okay. well, I'll give you two places. One is the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast. And you can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com uh, and you'll fly, find the links there. We're on, we're also on iTunes and, and Google Play um, and you know, all that. So you can, you can typically find us out there and all of that. And then forever.fitness is where I do my personal training. And each month I do a, a few different challenges uh, for you to try. So you know, in February, the challenges are the burpee challenge, the squat challenge, and we're doing a sugar challenge. Uh, I haven't decided what we're going to do in March, but I'm working up a couple things there. So I always like to have some challenges out there to kind of give someone an introduction to what we do as a part of the program. All these challenges are kind of like just one little piece of our alphabet. And so it's, you know, just something simple to try with us, see how it is interacting with me, get to know me uh, and my style, uh, which is is very hands-on and uh, have a good time. So again, you can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com or you can go to forever.fitness. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been a a great discussion, and I I know that listeners have learned a lot, and I hope they reach out to you to learn more. 
Well, Dan, it's been an honor to meet you, to be on the podcast, and to be able to interact with your audience. Thank you. Well, thank you, and take care. You too. Thank you for being with us today, and we hope that you are on the road to your successful low-carb lifestyle. Become a leader in your health and a leader in life. Check us out at www.thelowcarbleader.com. And remember to join Dan again next time on the Low Carb Leader Podcast.